Um, yeah, if you're uh, new today or you, you haven't been to Faith Life before, I just want to explain how we, uh, we work in our preaches. So sometimes we'll preach our way through a whole book of the Bible. For instance, uh, the start of this year, we went right through Hebrews. So we do a bit of expository preaching. I think we did about 13, 14 weeks right through Hebrews. Right at the moment, what you find yourself in is that you're in the middle of the series called Be Brave, Trust God. And not only are you in the middle of the series, you're sort of one week into a, a 30-day focus challenge uh, where you can get a short, uh, short bit of um, challenging teaching each, each day on Facebook. There's stuff going out on Instagram. There's emails going out. There's all sorts of things. And these talks form part of that. Because what we're looking at is how do you trust God when you don't understand? How do you trust God when bad things are happening? How do you trust God when you're not getting what you want when you want it in the way you want it? How do you trust God in those circumstances? Because we've kind of got used to um, the idea that God answers prayer, and that's exciting, isn't it? And we see healings, we see people set free, we see all sorts of situations change. But we struggle when it takes more than a few minutes or a couple of hours to get our answer because we've been trained in a world that thinks that everything's instant. And the answers to our faith often aren't instant. And there's a gap between when we pray in faith sometimes and when we see the manifestation of what we prayed for. And that gap is the playground of the enemy. That's when he wants to rob you of your faith. That's when he wants to rob you of your trust in God. And uh, one of the things we, we were doing earlier and, and talking about was declaring the words of God. And uh, today, if you came in, if you haven't got one, you can get one at the end. But you should have got one of these. Wave it at me if you've got one. If you haven't got one, you can pick one up from the welcome table at the end. This is an offensive weapon. Okay, this is an offensive weapon. Because on here is many of the things that God says about you. So when the enemy comes lying at you, and when friends come along and say, say things about you, and when people talk about you, you can pick up this and say, well, I'm going to believe what God says about me. Not what you say about me, not what they say about me, and not what you enemy say about me. So when you come, I'm going to remind you that angels are rejoicing over me right at this moment. God is celebrating me, that I am the righteousness of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. And just let me remind you of that enemy. He who lives in me is greater than he who is in the world. So your time is up. So get out of here. Get out of this. You're not going to throw me off track. You're not going to blow my patience before I see the great things that God has for me because I'm waiting here, I'm standing here and I know that my answer is on its way. So that's an offensive weapon. I would advise you to use it. This is a really offensive weapon. If you hit people with this, it hurts a lot more than that one. But this is a summary in an emergency. You can pick it up and you can tell the enemy and you can tell yourself what God thinks of you. Amen. Amen. Because it's really important in that gap between prayer in faith and a manifestation that we do not come into agreement with the enemy. Yeah. That we stay in agreement with God. 
And it's that that I'm going to talk about this morning. Now, I mentioned uh, right at the start there that, uh, you know, we did the big expository series on Hebrews. This is more systematic, which means you need more than one finger to find the verses this morning. And your first finger needs to go into Proverbs chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 21. And just while you're finding that, I just wanted to say something about that word that Lorraine brought. Because I put up... um, Earlier in the week, as part of this series, a little, uh, just a little picture it was, and it was a picture of a circle, and it said in it, your comfort zone, and it was a picture of another circle over to the side, and it said, this is where the magic happens. In other words, we see the kingdom beyond our comfort zones. You see, faith pleases God, and faith isn't required in a comfort zone. And so to keep on growing, to keep on seeing more of the kingdom in our lives, to to keep on being more and more effective in the way we touch other people's lives, we need to move out of our comfort zones. And you know what? One of the biggest dangers is this. I've seen this over and over again in the the last, um, you know, umpteen years of my Christian walk, is that we'll see God do something amazing. He might move miraculously in a church or right now we're seeing not on a not yet on a daily basis but certainly two or three four times a week miraculous healing basis different people in the church sending in testimonies where people are getting healed and it's really easy to get excited about that but then to camp there and say we're doing really well well we are doing and seeing God do amazing things by stepping out but to go further than this, we need to keep stepping out further and further. We keep need to move beyond our comfort zone. Not just camp around and celebrate what he has already done, but expect to see him do more and more. And so I think that was a really important word that Lorraine brought this morning. Really important. That we need to keep stepping out as individuals. You know what God's saying to us about doing extraordinary things through us as ordinary people. Right, hopefully you've found Proverbs 18, verse 21. I haven't, which is, I'll read it off, my, off here, then it's simple. No, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up, then I'll look official, you know. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know... I'm going to talk about something this morning that is just absolutely vital. And it's this idea that what comes out of our mouth has an effect. That what we don't want to find ourselves doing in the gap between the prayer and the manifestation is stuff coming out of our mouth that takes us over into agreement with the enemy or takes us over into agreement with people who have no faith. Because one of the things that you will find out as you step outside your comfort zone, you will encounter a lot of people who have no faith. And you don't want to be like them. You know, Jesus said, well, when I come back, am I going to find people of faith on earth? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Well, I don't want to be one of those that he can't find. I want to be one of those that he does find. And that needs me to stay in agreement with him. And, uh, you know, whilst... Some people take things to an extreme. It is a core truth in the word of God that what comes out of our mouth affects what happens in the spiritual realm and therefore ultimately in the physical realm. And that's really important. 
Now, some people don't like that because it's got abused over the years or gone to extreme. But, you know, everything can be sort of exaggerated and whatever. It doesn't mean it's not true. So we want to grab onto what's true and not find ourselves talking stuff that is dumb, stupid, idiotic, and just digs up the very faith that we've just planted when we prayed. You know, uh, quite often uh, over the years, Cheryl and I, we, you know, we pray for a lot of people. But you see, um, you know, multiple, multiple occasions. We'll pray for somebody and, you know, they may need a healing or a breakthrough in their finances or breakthrough in their, their careers or relationships. It doesn't matter what it is. And you'll, you'll pray and you go, Father, I thank you for that. And, and, and we declare the word of God and we pray the word of God. And, and they say amen. And they'll get to the back to the coffee table. And somebody will say, how's your week? But, oh, it's been awful. I really don't know how I'm going to cope. It's just been terrible. You know, I've got this and this coming up and it's just a disaster. And do you know what happened to me? And we just dig up the faith that we've already planted. It's not, you know, you can kind of get self-conscious with this and that's not the intention. The intention is that we get the word of God so deep and so full on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit so full on the inside of us that what comes out of our mouth is an overflow of the word of God and an overflow of the spirit and it's natural for us. We want the Holy Spirit to be overflowing out as rivers of living water running out of our bellies, as the the scripture puts it. And the word of God coming out of our mouth because there's so much of it on the inside, it can't stay there. That we start talking as if it's true, because it is. It is true. Amen? Amen. Go move me to John 14, 30. Because, you you know, some people say, well, you never saw Jesus doing this. Well, you did, because basically every time Jesus said something like, be healed, didn't it happen? You didn't ever see Jesus disagreeing with his Father in heaven, did you? Go with me to John 14, 30. I'll just show you this. John 14, 30. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's just uh, sort of finished uh, uh, telling them he's going to get betrayed. People, are, he's going to be put on trial. They're going to kill him. And he's just finished telling that. And then he says this, and it's a really odd thing. Just in the context, he basically says, well, verse 29, now I've told you before it comes to pass that when it does come to pass, you'll believe. So he's, in other words, he's saying, when this happens, you'll know that I was telling you the truth. And then he says this, now, I'm not going to talk with you anymore. You're not going to really, I'm not going to really say much from now on. For the ruler of this world is coming and he's got nothing on me. What's Jesus doing? He's saying, you're not going to hear anything coming out of my mouth because I really need to be careful at this point of time because my victory is close. This thing that looks like a defeat, when you see it, is actually a victory. And I'm not I've got to be really careful because this is the point where the enemy is going to attack. And so, guys, I can't afford to lose concentration here. So you are not going to hear me say much because I can't be tricked in saying something that is different to what my father is saying. That's Jesus. Now, if that's important for him, how important is it for us? The answer to that is very, 
Right, let's try that again. If that's important to him, how important is it to us? Very. Very. You, are, you know, you are allowed to make noise. You, it, it keeps you awake during my talk. It's really good for you. Honestly, it is. You see, when, he, when Jesus was under pressure, he kept quiet. What is he doing when he's keeping quiet? He's listening to his father's voice yeah. and not the voice of the enemy and not the voice of the unbelieving people around him. He's listening to his father's voice. And you can hear the father's voice a lot better when you're not concentrating on what's coming out of your own mouth. We hear God's voice in the still quiet place. And it's really important that when we haven't seen, when we're under pressure, when the world's piling up against us, when everything's going wrong, when we don't understand, it's really important we hear the Father's voice because he's the only one with the wisdom we need to take us through to the point where we overcome, where things change. Amen? Amen. Now, I just want to show you another aspect of this because... One of the things I said last week in, in sort of like that big overview talk that I did about, um, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there suffering in the world? If you, if you want to uh, listen to that, then it, it's on Facebook Live, it's on our website, you, you can hear it, you can watch it, whatever. Um, already, you know, we, I've had a, a lot of feedback about that, about how it helped people really put stuff in context and understand a lot more about what the dynamics of what's happening in the spiritual and in the physical. But one of the things I said about that is one of the reasons bad things happen to us is because of what we do. And Jesus had quite a bit to say about our approach to stop us causing ourselves problems and making things worse. So go with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Judge not, so that you're not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back at you. And then he goes on to talk about not bothering about the speck in somebody else's eye. Instead, look at the plank in your own eye. That's kind of a Jesus joke. You know, people, I haven't seen many people walking around with planks in their eyes. But you get the point. It's a Jesus joke. You know, Jesus is kind of funny. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. He, he, he does, he, 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 you know, he, we have all sorts of jokes. He has shepherd jokes, you know. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. How many of you have got here today and got to this moment and you haven't judged or criticised anybody yet. You don't have to put your hands up. I'm kind of hoping some of you would have put your hands up. Oh, you mean today? Today. Oh. I mean, I know it's early morning. It's a harder question at night, isn't it? <laughs> but it's a real question. How many of us get through a day without judging people, without criticising people, without being negative about people? And, and what Jesus is saying, um, you know, is, guys, people have so many opinions about what the people should do. Yeah. And Jesus is warning them, he's saying, like, it's really easy to get caught up in that way of thinking. Yeah. You know, you're surrounded by that sort of thinking, and it's really easy to get caught, caught up in it. 
It's also really easy to run your life on the basis of it because you're more afraid of what other people think of you than you are afraid of God. And what Jesus is saying is, remember that if you gossip and criticise and judge other people, that's what's going to come back to you. That's just the way life is. If you're going to join in with this stuff, you've got to be prepared to be a victim of this stuff as well because that's what's going to come back. And, you know, that is so important. And, and you go, well, you know, yeah, okay, I get that, I get that. But the point is, this is absolutely massive in the kingdom of God. It, absolutely massive in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what I mean. Two, three examples. Let's just assume that you... Uh, come across somebody who's a believer. They're, they're, not, they're not part of this church, but you, you, you know them at work or something, or uh, you know, they're an acquaintance, or you text them, or they're a friend on Facebook, or whatever. And they kind of seem to be drifting into stuff that's not of God. You know, they're coming out with stuff, and you go, that's just wrong. That's naughty. That's bad. What's the first thing you should do? Pray for them. Now, that would be really good if that's what we did. Yeah. But most of us want to tell them what they're doing wrong. Even though we've got no responsibility for them. And even though, uh, you know, but more than that, we want to tell them to the face in public. You see, there's an awful lot that goes on in public. You go, well, so where's it going in public? Well, it goes on in public next to coffee machines. But do you know where else it goes on? It goes on in public, in newspapers, in magazines, on Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere. That is public. It's not private. And you know, one of the things is that we are undermining and debilitating the kingdom of God when we criticise other people in public. You know, one of the things you have to do as a body of believers, as, as, as a church, particularly if, if you want to do something like our 30-day challenge, is put stuff out on social media. The issue with social media is, I don't think many of them have read those verses. They've not read the verses. And we criticise other Christians. But, you know, it's okay to disagree with somebody. It's okay to disagree with their theology. It's okay to have a debate in a proper forum about that. It's not okay to criticise an individual in public. And that's what we do when we criticise people on Facebook and Instagram and in the media and on newspapers. And, 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 and we, we talk about things. And what Jesus is saying is, guys, it's really important that you learn from me when not to talk. Because... You have no responsibility for those people. You can't change those people. And you don't know what situation they're in. So you can't judge. And the only effect of you judging is you embarrass the kingdom of God in public. Yeah. Because all the unbelievers reading those pages, all your other friends who don't come to this church or don't, don't have any contact with God at all are reading that stuff, seeing that stuff, and they're going, oh my goodness, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus guy. 
Because look at what he produces. He produces people who rip into each other. And it's really serious that we take on board, Jesus is saying, you have to be careful what comes out of your mouth. Now, here's the other thing. One of the other principles of the word is that we don't, as believers, go about exposing sin. That doesn't make sin okay, but it's not our job to expose it. It's actually the job of believers to cover it, to cover each other. There's, there's accountability between believers, but that accountability should exist in a, in a covering. Let me, ex, let me explain. I, I did this a few years ago. Some of you might remember it. But let's say that Olive, I've caught Olive out in, in being really overstepping the mark towards poor Roger. Yeah? Never happens. No. And so here's what happens. Here's my choice. Here's what we often do. Do you know, do you know what's happening with Roger Noel? Do you know what? Do you know what he's done? Do you, man, if he'd done that to me, I'd be upset like she is, and all that sort of. That is not helpful. But more than that, that's what's going to come back to you when you're in the same position. Yeah. Come to Jesus. Here's what we do. We cover Olive. Okay. Now I can talk to Olive and tell her. Perhaps you do. To you guys, I'm saying, just keep out of it. We're handling it. And God's bigger than anything. Yeah. Do you see the difference? It's really important what comes out. And, and, and why I'm bringing this out now is that we manufacture a lot of our own problems and we manufacture a lot of our own relationship issues. And then we turn God, around to God and say, why, are things, why is my life such a mess? Why is everybody against me? Why does nobody want to be my friend? Because they don't want to be friends with somebody who's going to criticize them and judge them. And as believers, what the world needs to see from us is love. Because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not judgment and criticism that leads to repentance. It's not our job. So what Jesus is saying is, don't try and do my job. Don't do the job of the Holy Spirit. Because if you try and do that, then you've forgotten what I've done for you. When you go around judging others, you forgot that I've removed the judgment from you. And that's just so important. Yeah, okay, let's, let's move on a bit. You know, the way we talk robs us of our joy. I don't know if you've thought of that. It does. Because what you're doing is you're reinforcing things. Let me, let me say that. You know, when we... When we go around, and I understand this, and there is a time for, you know, expressing how you feel about something. You know, David expressed to God how he felt, didn't he? When he was <laughs> up, when he was down, when he was left, when he was right, all, all the moods that David was in, he expressed through the Psalms. So there is a time, but when our default program is, you know, oh, I, I feel down, I don't know what's wrong, my life's terrible, it's awful, it's this, it's that. Oh, dear, and they've upset me, and they've upset me. And, and oh, I, I just, you know, it's so unfair, it's so unfair. It's so, uh, nye, 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 nye. And it's, you know, when that's your default approach, what are you doing? You are not speaking words of life. You are speaking words of death. Where do words of death come from? 
the enemy. What would he like you to be saying about what's, what's happening in your life? Yeah, it's going to get worse. I can't see an end to it. Oh, it's just like, it's just a disaster. It's a crisis. I can't, can't deal with it, can't handle it. Yes, you can. Because great is in you that's, he, he that's in the world. Yes, trust God. You can handle it. Speaking negativity, what it does is it robs you of the joy in your life. And here's, here's why I'm highlighting it. Because for most of us, it's so easy to do it because we don't experience anything else going on around us. And it's something that the, the body of Christ has imported from the outside. And because that, it robs us of our joy, robs us of our peace, and robs us of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Am I saying that everything should be perfect? No. Life is difficult. Right now, life is difficult for those guys in Mozambique. It's terrible. It's worse than anything that any of us are struggling with. And yet, they have peace, they have joy, because they know their God. And we don't have peace and joy because everything's fine. We have peace and joy because we know our God. We know he is protector. We know he is savior. We know he's healer. We know he is deliverer. And by the way, right now, if what I'm facing is the end of the line for me, then whoopee, I get to be with him. Yeah. What's the issue? Yeah. And we, we need more of that. Being brave, trusting God, instead of just like getting over into the side of agreeing with the enemy in the midst of the problem. Um, go with me to 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16. Hey, are you kind of getting to the point now? Because I'm just going through different examples to show you what, what, what it is. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer. They're bad things, aren't they? Murderer, thief, evildoer. Anybody want to own up to being any of those right at this moment? No? Good. Handbags are safe. We're all right. No murderers, no thieves, no evildoers. Or a busybody in other people's matters. Right, so we've got murder, thief, evildoer, and busybody in other people's matters. All in the same sentence. Don't you find that stunning? Because we are so used to thinking it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I'm not a murderer. I wouldn't steal. I'm not a criminal. But it's all right if I'm a busybody. No, you're in the same category. And look, you know, what he's saying is when we have this approach that it's our job to meddle in other people's lives, he's saying... You've made a mistake, guys, because you've assumed that there's some sins that are unacceptable and some sins that are acceptable. And there aren't any sins that are acceptable and there aren't any sins that God can't deal with. But you can't grade them. And, and we go, well, it's no big deal. I haven't killed anybody. I'm stolen from anybody lately, you know. What's the problem? And Jesus is saying that praying into pe people's affairs is because you're not thinking straight. You're trying to make them fit to your standard, and you never will. You're trying to make them 
come up to your level of what you see is good and right. One of the problems with this, and, and, and I just want to highlight this, is that when we're busybody in other people's affairs, it wouldn't be so bad if we were confidential about other people's affairs. But we're not. And so it causes harm. It causes problems. You know, that's why it's so important when we are uh, ministering to people or, you know, involved in pastoral situations that we have this thing about confidentiality. And so even some situations amongst us are confidential to the person who's dealing with it in the leadership team because the other members of the leadership team can't help, so it's best we, you know, we don't need to know. It's a bit like, like just think of the leadership team as like James Bond in action. It's on a need-to-know basis. That's how it works, need-to-know basis. And so we, we don't need to know every state secret, but it's, we have to discipline ourselves, and, and it's so important that we keep that because it's awful for some people to find out that they've shared something confidential and then it gets exposed. Yeah. And, and so if we, if we really care for people and we really love people, we have to watch our mouths. And, and over the years, so, you know, people, we've come across people who haven't watched their mouths and it's been a nightmare yeah. because it, it's been upset left, right and centre and it spreads like wildfire. So it's really important we watch our mouths. So I'm just going to come back to go with me to Galatians 6, verse 9. And we finished here last week, didn't we? That's two slides on. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Here's what I want you to, to tell you for that, because that, the principle that's expressed in this is just so vital to us about what happens in that gap between the prayer and the answer. It's so vital as to what we do when we don't understand what's happening in our life. It's really vital when we don't have the answers and we can't see what God is doing. Because the norm is that most of the time we won't see what God is doing until we see the result of what he's done. That's why we need faith to carry us through. That's why we need faith that endures and is patient. You see, anybody can have a really good attitude and say really good things and, and say all the right stuff out of the mouth and to other people when things are going their way. I know that I'm really good at that. When, I, when things are going my way, I want everybody to know it. And I'll tell them. <laughs> we all do, don't we? Like we celebrate, things are great. You know, um, I, was, I, met, um, I was down in London uh, this week and um, I saw, uh, went down to visit David Birch, who's uh, Nicky's brother and Kim's son and 
some of you, you know David. So if you don't know David, you, you need to get to know David because he's one of the loveliest guys I know. And so I went down and, and it was his turn to buy coffee, which is why I went. <laughs> and uh, I was chanting, but I also um, saw another guy that, that I know sort of um, who's uh, involved in ministry. And, you know, one of the things that any minister, when he meets another minister, says to him, how are things going? And, and you kind of, you can kind of get in this idea and forget Matthew chapter 7 and and the, the, he's like, it's terrible. Oh, you know, I, I can't remember who, what, what it said, but um, this is a really famous guy, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but they said that the three hardest jobs in the world are President of the United States, um, Prime Minister of England, and being a pastor. <laughs> because you... By the nature of the role, you get involved in so many different people's lives. And the nature of the role is that different people are on different uh, stages of God fixing them. Yeah? Now, that's not a problem for any of you guys because you're all fixed. Yeah? <laughs> but you get the point, don't you? And so, anyway, he came out and he, and, and he said, well, so, so how's ministry then? And I said, it's absolutely fantastic. I love the people in my church. I think they're awesome. I think they're brilliant. And he goes, no, no, surely you've got problems. And I said, no, I have no problems. God, now he's got problems. I have no problems. I love the people in my church, and it's God's problem. Well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I, how you, is, your, is, your, is your church growing? I said, well, it is growing. Well, you're doing all right then, aren't you? I said, no. He said, well, you must be doing all right if it's growing. I said, no. It's not my job to build my church. It's Jesus' job. And, and we have to remember how things are, how, we, how this works. That, because what, Jesus, what, what, what this is saying in Galatians is if you keep on doing what's right, while you're not getting the result you want, you in the meantime are growing spiritually. So for us to keep growing as a body... We have to trust Jesus to do his job and we have to just keep on doing what's right and grow in the meantime till we see the answer. Because of the world we live in and, and because we've absorbed that into so much of church culture these days, when we don't see the answer, we tend to back away from God. And go, well, I feel really like that. It's not working for me. It's not working. You haven't waited long enough. It's not the end of the story. You know that line, this fat lady hasn't sang yet. You know, she's gone on a diet. She's not going to come here. She hasn't, she's not singing in this place. Because we're faith people, we're word people, we believe the word and we believe it and we receive it, but it's not always instant. So we have to learn to keep doing the right things in the gap and the product of that will not only be that God will always be seen to come through, it will also be that we will grow spiritually in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Are you getting that? Yeah. Do you believe it? Yeah. Good, because Jesus believed that. Jesus knew that was true. You know, spiritual growth isn't painless. I'd like to do... I, you see, what I'd like to do now 
is I'd like to line you all up here, starting at this side and going right across there, and, you know, a few deep, and just lay hands on you and say, Holy Spirit, grow them. And then it, we'd all be fine next week, wouldn't we? The only problem with that is why it sounds attractive and while it sounds an amazing thing to do, it's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom works in the time we don't understand. Jesus said that, yeah, I buried the seed. The rain came, the sun came, and the farmer doesn't know how, but at the end, the harvest comes. <coughs> the point is the farmer doesn't know how. We, we, we grow in that gap. We grow by spiritually, by learning that in that gap, we don't talk a load of dumb, stupid things out of our mouth and make it worse. We don't give up on God. We don't back up. We don't get so involved that we get judgmental and critical. What we do is we wait and we listen to God and we learn to grow spiritually while enduring the difficulty, the horrible things that are happening till we see what God has done. The thing about due season is you don't know when it's due. God knows when it's due, you don't. So what do you do? You keep on doing good. Knowing that God, who is 100% trustworthy, has said, in due season, you will reap. Yeah. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah. It's good news when it arrives, but it's also good news and equally true when it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Due season is always on the way and is always happening. In different places, in different areas of your life. In some areas of your life, this due season is coming and it's right here today. In another area of your life, you may have to wait several months yet. Due seasons are always on the way. So how do we live our life? We live our life by doing good and speaking faith yeah. in a God who brings about due seasons. And we have to learn that. We have to experience it in order to grow. Let me show you why Jesus believed it. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, and I'm going to show you one of the most baffling verses in the Bible. Some people think it's baffling. It's just really obvious. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Talking about Jesus. Okay, so, Jesus, fully God in human form. Never sinned. How did he learn obedience? Because he must have obeyed right from birth, mustn't he? Because yeah. he never sinned. That's why they go, that's a baffling verse. Mm. No, it's not a baffling verse at all. And when I tell you, you'll go, no, that's not a baffling verse. Don't see what the fuss is about. How do you learn obedience when you've never done anything wrong? Carry on doing what's right. Carry on doing what's right. Good point. Here's what he learned. He learned that obedience is costly. He learned the difficulties of obeying. He learned the suffering that goes with obeying. Why? Because he was tempted in all areas, just as we are. He didn't go, oh, 
I was a really bad boy when I was young, but now I'm a lot more obedient. That's not what it's saying. It's saying he learned the experience of obedience in good and bad, thick and thin, happy and sad, and all the rest of it, that Jesus learned to obey. Why? Because he understood not only that he needed to obey in order to provide salvation for us, but he understood that he is our role model. He is who we look to to mirror. And he understood the principle that Paul's saying, which is keep on doing good and in due season you reap. Even when you don't understand, even when it's unfair, unjustified, when you're mistreated by people, when people say the most horrible, foul things about you, if you keep on doing good, in due season you will reap. God is on the case. And that even when you haven't reaped your due season, it's, it's still true right now that it's on its way. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. You know, if we can get this, it will transform the manifestation of the kingdom that we see in our lives. It will transform the way unbelievers see the people in this room. It will transform the way that they see Jesus. Because they aren't very excited about us looking like them. They're very excited when they find somebody that doesn't look like them and can tell them why. So that's our, that's our goal. You see, we can get really hung up on what people are doing to us, where they're mistreating us, what they're saying to us. And, and stuff can be horrible. I'm not, under, I'm not um, downplaying that. But here's the point. The very people who said all the rubbish about you and said none of that's true about you, are going to get proved wrong. Yeah. And here's more to the point. They're going to have to stand there while God openly rewards you because that is true about you. Yeah. They're going to see you rewarded right in front of them. And you will reap in due season and they will see it. Yeah. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are good, faithful, and true God. Lord, in the same way as your son guarded his mouth, he chose not to judge when he could have judged. In fact, the only one worthy to judge didn't judge. He came to be a savior instead. Even against the people who killed him and murdered him, he said, they don't understand what they're doing, Father. They don't know. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will continue to create that love and that attitude in our hearts. Yeah. And I pray that we will be a people who will choose that and be careful how we handle the words that come out of our mouths and the judgments that come from our hearts. Yeah. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.